Super Mario Brothers 3. Who doesn't love this game? No one, that's who. Hello, this is Al from Point of Insanity Game Studio, and welcome to another episode of the Geekery in General podcast, and this is going to be another 8-bit flashback. Today, I'm going to be taking a look at what could arguably be one of the most popular of the old NES games, and probably also one of the more popular games in the Super Mario Brothers franchise. Super Mario Brothers 3. Ah, yes, many people probably have fond memories of this game from the intro, where, we, of course, we see Mario, Luigi, we see a new power-up, and I'm going to go back to the past a little bit here, so I know some of the stuff I'm about to say is going to be pretty much, well, well, duh, some people are probably going to say, but, okay, for now, I'm going to be looking at this game through the eyes that I had back when I was, in, well, let's see, this game came out in early 1990, but, of course, we all got a glimpse of that movie in uh, late 1989 with the movie The Wizard with Fred Savage. Now, I remember the movie The Wizard. I saw that with my cousin, and they came down for Christmas. So I'm pretty sure it was around then, and of course I remember there was this big uh, hubbaloo about it, everyone was all excited about it, and for me, I don't remember if there was really much that they advertised Super Mario Bros. 3 in that one. I think the main reason I wanted to watch it is because, well, it had video games, and of course back then this is when I loved video games, and the... The uh, 8-bit Nintendo was riding high and was probably at the peak of its popularity. And, you know, of course, there were some really good games that were released for the uh, NES back in that era. Now, one of the things I do remember about the premiere of The Wizard, we saw it... I don't think we saw it the first night it came out, but uh, we saw it early on in its, its run. And I remember when we saw it, they gave out these little books that were supposed to be like a mini Nintendo Power. So that was kind of cool. Of course, it had some articles about the wizard and, uh, of course, advertisements. Yes, I know. And then they, I believe, even had like an old top secret section. For those of you who may have subscribed to uh, Nintendo Power way back when, you might remember there was a section called Top Secret where it would talk about the different secrets and little tricks and, well, let's be honest, cheats in various video games. And of course, one of the fun things about watching The Wizard back then was more just catching a glimpse of all the games and being like, oh, I know that game. Hey, I remember that game. You know, that game looks kind of cool. But of course, the highlight was good old Super Mario Bros. 3. And this is where we have to, of course, suspend our disbelief. Uh, for those of you who have seen The Wizard, or at least seen videos, or you know maybe read articles about it, the basic plot of The Wizard is you have Fred Savage, and there was a, his little brother, I don't know the name of the actor who played him, but they were going to this video competition, and video game competition, and of course they had to travel cross-country, so it's kind of a combination road trip slash running away from home movie because 
course, the parents were trying to go after their sons, and I believe they even hired a private investigator or someone to try to search him as well, so... Now again, I do apologize, I'm sounding disorganized about this, it has been a long time since I've seen the wizard, but I believe the parents may have been divorced, and so the race was primarily between the father, uh, the Fred Savage's older brother, and the bounty hunter slash private investigator that uh, the mother had hired to try to retrieve the boys. And along the way, they meet up with the obligatory token girl character, and they begin this adventure to go to the video game competition. And I believe there was another plot. The boys had a younger brother who had died, and he was going to go visit the place where they had some fond memory together. Like I said, it's been years since I've seen this movie, so that's why I'm probably sounding very unsure of how I'm <laughs> describing it, or it's possible I may have gotten some details wrong, but yeah, it was kind of a cheesy movie. It was more or less just a, an excuse to advertise video games, including, of course, this one, Super Mario 3, but we all loved it. So, on to the... oh yes. The thing I was saying that was the whole suspension of disbelief is... The highlight of the movie was that they were... Uh, premiering Super Mario Bros. 3 as the final challenge for this video game competition. And, of course, the little boy who has a talent for video games... seems to master it and happens to know where a hidden item is. First time he ever played it, and actually I can show that to you right now. Actually, no, this is not where the first hidden whistle is, but we'll just show it. I'm sure a lot of you probably know you just kind of kneel here for a few seconds. And now you can go... Oh, gotta watch out for those guys, they still hurt you. And then you go in the back here. Yes, one toot on this whistle will send you to a faraway land. Thanks, Toad. That is one of the two hidden whistles in the game. Actually, I'm not sure if there's more. The other one is over in the castle here, so let me show you what I'm talking about. This secret that this little boy, who never played the game before, somehow knew. Because remember, of course, this was back before the days of tutorials, so how would he know that if you ran really fast, you'd be able to fly if you got the raccoon tail? Now, I suppose most people probably would have figured it out anyway. But here's what I'm talking about. First, let's... Stomp on that little guy, and... Of course, goes up here, goes to the hidden room, and gets the... Hidden Whistle. How would someone who's never played this game before know how to do that? I suppose some people might say, oh, he was just a naturally curious kid, so maybe he figured, hey, what would happen if I flew up there? But I think it's just more the plot device, magic of Hollywood, and getting everyone something a little to be excited about when they were watching this movie and be like, alright, when is this game going to come out? So, no doubt, that's one of the things I hate about this game is the mushrooms. It was nice in the... Aw, crud, I overjumped and fell, but oh well, it's the nature of platformers. Well, as I was saying, one of the things that I really don't like about this game probably my only real major gripe about it is the mushrooms. It's nice and convenient in the earlier games we had at this time, because 
you hit the mushroom block and the mushrooms moved off to the right. But then for some reason in Super Mario Bros. 3, it's like... Sometimes they move to the right, sometimes they move to the left. It either has to do with the way you're facing or the... How you hit the block, I'm not exactly sure. But other than the hype that it received, it actually turned out to be quite a good game. And uh, of course, one of the reasons is you had a lot more different power-ups. Of course, not only did Mario have his trusty mushroom, star, and fire flower, but you could get the leaf, probably my favorite power-up, because that let you fly. And then, of course, you had the frog suit, the tanuki suit, the hammer brother suit, the P-Wing, which, actually, that's probably my favorite, once you fly through an entire level. So it was nice that when we started to get this game, we found out that it actually did live, live up to the hype. Not only did the, the wizard make it look like a really cool movie, but it actually turned out to be... Actually, I'm going to go back there. Not only did the wizard make it look like it was a really cool game, it actually turned out to be a really cool game. So let's go back to the map screen here, and this is one of the things that I liked about it, is how you did have this overworld map where you could choose how you wanted to take the worlds. And in some of the stages, you don't have to clear all the worlds. So that was always helpful if there was one world you came to where it was really difficult. And then, of course, you had the mushroom houses where you could get your power-ups. And then the bonus game here, which... I admit, I have never been very good at the bonus game. Sometimes I can get the mushroom, but that's about it. And there are also just so many other little secrets that were really, really fun about this game. Like, I think it's like every 70,000 points you get the other bonus game that appears, where uh, this one is more or less the memory matching game where you can... Uh, get more power-ups. Yeah, that's another thing I like about the game is the fact that you can collect power-ups that you can store for use at a later time. I know there's also another trick you can do where... I'm not sure exactly how you do it, but there's like a, another ship that it can appear instead of a Hammer Brother and... Ouch. And what that one does... Oh man, I am out of practice on this game. But as I was saying... There is a, another trick you can do where you make a ship full of coins appear, and then at the end you have to fight either a Hammer Brother or a Boomerang Brother. I'm not exactly sure how you pull off that trick. I think it has something to do with the number of coins you have when you finish a certain stage, but like I said, I'm not, not exactly sure. I'm sure if you look it up on the internet, you'll find it. Another thing that I really enjoyed about this game is the fact that you could uh, pick up and carry around the shells. And that's something that we would start to see in a lot of the other games. And come to think of it, Mario 3 actually did do a lot of things that you would see in the later Mario games, like the overworld map. I know we saw that appear in Super Mario World. We saw that appear in a lot of the later Mario games as well. And for a long time, this game was actually my favorite in the series. It wasn't until the release of Super Mario 64 for the DS that I found a new favorite game. That game is just really fun. So if you're a Mario fan, if you liked the original Super Mario 64, 
chances are you are going to love Super Mario 64 for the DS. As far as remakes go, it's actually really good. Ah, there's a little thing I was talking about where you get the matching game. Again, I was... I wanted to go down here. I was never really good at this, but... Uh, that's why we're glad for Nintendo Power, because not only would Nintendo Power give you the little hints and such, but another cool thing about Nintendo Power is they had these strategy guides they released for some of the books, or some of the games, rather. I know they had one for Final Fantasy, they had one for Ninja Gaiden 2 for some reason, and of course they had one for Super Mario Bros. 3. So the way to make those memory matching games really easy is if you... Well, if you don't have or you can't find a copy of the Super Mario 3 Nintendo Power Guide, yeah, just go on the internet and I'm sure you'll find pages that'll have the, the, the maps so that way you know where the cards are. But where's the fun in that, right? And then, of course, one of the cool things is once you get to the end of the worlds, that's when you have to go to the ship. So just uh, another one of those interesting little mechanics, and this is one of the things I did like about those early Super Mario Brothers games, is the fact that they were different. And really, Mario Brothers isn't the only franchise that has done this, where they've made the sequels to a game different than the first one. Castlevania, for example, uh, Castlevania 1, 2, and 3 are all significantly different games. I'm trying to think of some other ones. I know Ninja Gaiden had three games for the NES, but there wasn't too, too much difference between them other than different power-ups. And I know, of course, in the uh, later games, he could do that wall jump. Uh, yes, and then in Super... Or not Super Mario Brothers. Uh, Ninja Gaiden 3, of course, you got the uh, Super Sword power-up. But other than that, the Ninja Gaiden games were not too, too much different from the... between the three. Again, the Castlevania games, really enjoyed those. A lot of variation between 1, 2, and 3. And again, same thing with Super Mario Bros. 3, because, of course, we all know the original Super Mario Bros. Pretty standard, just a left-to-right scrolling platformer where, you know, you went from one stage to the other and had a time limit. Nothing too exceptional there, but then of course Super Mario Bros. 2 came out. Yes, I know that the Super Mario Bros. 2 we got in the U.S. is not the true Super Mario Bros. 2. Like many people, I did not realize there was a different Super Mario Bros. 2 in Japan until I had a chance to play Super Mario All-Stars for the NES. And looking back, I'm glad that they did release a new version of Super Mario Bros. 2, because I've played Lost Levels, and to tell you the truth, it's probably my least favorite of the Mario games i played. Not really much into that one. Just too difficult, and I think that's one of the reasons they may not have uh, released it, is because they thought it would be too difficult for the U.S. gamers, and I think the other reason is they just thought that it was too similar to the... Uh, the first Super Mario Brothers, so it probably wouldn't have sold very well. Though, honestly, Super Mario Brothers 2 for the US was actually a decent game. I wasn't much for it when it first came out, but once I had a chance to actually play it again on the, uh, the Super Mario All-Stars for the Super Nintendo, I actually 
gained a bit of a new appreciation for it. And yes, I do know that Super Mario Bros. 2 for the uh, US is just a localized version of the game Doki Doki Panic. Never played that game, so I'm not exactly sure what the major differences are. But again, that's what I liked about the games is, you know, there's just, it seems there was more innovation back then. I mean, let's compare that to today. One of the biggest complaints that I see people have about a lot of the new games, especially stuff like, you know, Call of Duty and the uh, John Madden games are two games that really get criticized for this, is there's not as much innovation where, okay, Call of Duty 1 is, well, it's probably not a good example, but, you know, the latest Call of Duty game isn't really that much different than the the previous Call of Duty game, except maybe a few different names and a few different characters. And I've heard people say the same thing about a lot of the uh, John Madden games where, again, there's not really that much difference between Madden 2015 and 2014 and 2013, the only real noticeable difference being a uh, change of the rosters. That's just what I've heard from people who played some of these games. I'm not a real sports game guy, so never played the Madden game, so I can't really say for sure. Maybe I'll do a Madden game one of these days as a bargain bin adventure, but anyways, back to the awesomeness that was, and still is, Super Mario Bros. 3. Again, back to my point, there was just a lot of innovation back then, I think. Maybe it's because it was the nature of the video game market where, since it was still fairly young, game designers had to try to be innovative. You know, it's not like today where the market's more robust, where a company can afford to essentially make the same game ten times over. Again, you, you had to innovate back then. I think there were also a few more consoles back then. I mean, of course, nowadays the big ones are, uh, of course, the Nintendo Wii U, the PlayStation, the Xbox One. And, well, of course, there's also the portables, but portable games are kind of their own animal. Those are the only real major consoles that I know of, but back then, you know, of course, you had the Genesis, the Sega games, you had the Nintendo games, there was TurboGrafx-16, trying to think of some of the other ones we had back then. There was, well, for a while, there was also, like, the 3DO and, ouch, that was not smart of me, but you had, like, the 3DO and Neo Geo. Though, of course, talked a little bit about Neo Geo before. That was the kind of game that not a lot of people were able to play just because it was so darn expensive. And I'm probably... <laughs> I died. Anyways, that's what happens sometimes when you're gaming while uh, talking on the fly here. You sometimes can't really pay attention to both. But anyways... So like I said, it's just there were a few more consoles back then there were than there were today. So the the market had to be innovative. You had to be able to stand out. I suppose to some extent it's still more or less the same thing today, but anyways. So as I said, the of course we got Mario 2. And nice thing about that is you could actually play as Peach and Toad this time and 
there were differences between Mario and Luigi, which of course we found out that there was a difference between Mario and Luigi in uh, the real Super Mario 2 Lost Levels, where Mario had a little bit better traction, but Luigi had the advantage of being able to jump higher. Of course, the problem with Luigi in that game, uh, Lost Levels, not the, re you know, the Mario 2 in the U.S., was the fact that he was slippery, where, you know, once you stopped, gosh darn it, you know, once he stopped moving, he still continued to uh, slide for a couple steps. And then, of course, we had Super Mario 3, where, like I said, there was just a lot of innovation in this one, where it introduced the world map, it introduced having multiple power-ups that you could carry and use whenever you wanted, you had the wandering encounters with the Hammer Brothers. Again, these are just all things that we've seen in the later games as well. I mean, I've played Super Mario Brothers for the Wii, the... New Super Mario Brothers, that's what it was called. And then New Super Mario Brothers Wii U. And again, I saw a lot of the same things. You have the houses where you get the, the power-ups. Uh, you have the houses where there's the bonus games you can play for extra lives. Though, ah, here's one of the places where the star power-ups are really have helpful. Haha, <laughs> no sweat. But, as I was saying, get back on track. Music box. Never really used that power-up very much. All it really does is just puts the Hammer Brothers to sleep. So, I forgot where my track was leading, so I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop this episode in just a few moments. Now, I remember when I first played Super Mario Bros. 3, I never actually beat it when I played it on the NES back home. I never actually owned the game. Instead, um, the I had a couple of people I knew who I borrowed the game from, and because of the popularity of the game, which was no doubt fueled by the commercial-slash-movie The Wizard, it was a fairly expensive game, as I recall, and not only that, like I said, the problem with uh, trying to game and talk at the same time, sometimes it's like, okay, I gotta pay attention to one. But, uh, as I was saying, the Super Mario 3 was pretty hard to find back in the place where I lived, so if you had a copy of it, that was more or less a status symbol among the gamers back in middle school and high school, because, like I said, it was this fairly expensive game, and it was kind of hard to find, and if you had it, you were... Hot stuff. <laughs> Messing up the way I am right now takes a lot more skill than it looks. There we go. Forgot where I was going with this, but... Oh yes, now I remember what I was going to say. Uh, like I said, I never actually beat this game when I used to ha play it on the original Nintendo, mainly because I never really had it too long. I would just borrow it from a friend for a, a week or two. But the other and only real gripe I have about this game is it was one of those games where I think it was kind of long to play in one sitting. That's why I was happy when it came out for the Nintendo Wii Virtual Console, and it was one of those games I picked up as soon as I could, because being able to at least 
you know, create a, a restore point where, you know, you could play the game for a little bit, then go to work, go do chores, do whatever. That was nice. And then, of course, when they made the, the new version of it for the Super Nintendo on Super Mario All-Stars, that game was was really cool, too, because, of course, not only did it have the updated graphics and music, but it was also kind of nice because you could save your game there. Like I said, that's one of the few gripes I really have about this game, is the fact that it is a little too long to play in one city. Other than that, though, a lot of fun game. Like I said, it, it was hyped as being this really awesome game that you had to have, and unlike some things that really get hyped up, Giant Katana! It actually turned out to be a really good game. So, I highly recommend checking out this game if you have a chance, if you haven't done so. You know, if you uh, happen to see it for... If you still have a working Super Nintendo and you happen to see it at a... If you happen to have a working Super Nintendo and you happen to see Super Mario All-Stars somewhere... Definitely pick that game up if your NES still works. Though I'm sure this game probably commands ridiculous prices on the secondary market. Uh, of course, if you have a Nintendo Wii or Wii U, I believe it's available on the Virtual Console for the Wii U. That's another way you can play this game as well. So, like I said, we're going to end the episode now. I'd like to thank you for joining me on another 8-bit flashback. So, you can see other 8-bit flashbacks by visiting my channel on YouTube. You can also listen to the audio for my 8-bit flashbacks on my Geekery in General podcast. Go to podbean.com and look up Geekery in General or go to poigamestudio.podbean.com. Also, you can... Uh, visit my website, POIGamestudio.com. Visit Point of Insanity Game Studio on Facebook. Please feel free to like the page. I do appreciate it. If you have any ideas for topics you'd like to see me cover... Oh, these tornadoes are a uh, pain in the butt. But anyways, if you have... I <laughs> yes, like I said, I am not doing too good at this game right now. Okay, that's right, you gotta jump in the tornadoes. But like I said, if there you have ideas for topics you'd like to see me cover on a future episode, whether for the Point of Insanity Game Studio Geekery in General podcast, for a Bargain Bin Adventure, for an 8-bit flashback, leave a message, or uh, contact me through my website, and I will certainly be happy to take those into consideration. This is why the P-Wing rules. If you do have a stage you come across where you are having problems, just pop on that P-Wing and fly, fly, fly over the whole darn stage. Normally, I will save the P-Wings for later on, but since I'm just doing this kind of as a fun spur-of-the-moment thing, what the heck, let's use the P-Wing right now. So there you go, a little glimpse and some of my memories of Super Mario Bros. 3 for the NES. Thanks again for watching, or listening, and I'd like to wish you a good evening, or morning, or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are.
and happy gaming.